raise your hands and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you depend on the Lord? Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. to say it's good to be back with a mother and father. Hallelujah. I enjoy, I always enjoy coming home. Praise God. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought the obedience of Christ. I want to read that again. I want you to understand this is the Word of God. This isn't just a book of literature. This is not just good psychology. This is not just good philosophy. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want us to raise our hands and speak to the Lord. Come on, let's, let's raise our hands and pray right now. Let's talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. You can be seated. praying several months ago and I just as I was praying I just wrote this and put it in the front of my notebook it may not mean a whole lot to you but it means a lot to me and let me use this as a preface to what I am going to say a little later on tonight God help me to live what I preach and if I don't help me not to preach it and also, Lord, help me and give me the strength to live what you reveal to me so that I can preach it. Jesus, help my lifestyle to be true, unadulterated, pure, and an honest worship for you and your kingdom. And 
feel that way very strongly tonight. There's a lot of people that are calling themselves Christians. There's a lot of people right in our ranks that call themselves Christians. There's a lot of people that get real spiritual every now and then. But their life is not consistent to back up the spirituality when they're consistent. There's a scripture in the book of Luke, I believe, the 28th verse of, I forgot what, I can't remember now, but it says, What man begin to build a tower without first sitting down and counting the cost? to see whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest after he hath began to build, and he is not able to finish, all them that behold him begin to mock, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. I never really understood what that scripture meant. And a lot of times we say, Well, we get mocked for living for Jesus. We really don't get mocked for living for Jesus. He said you'd be hated for my name's sake, but he didn't say you'd be mocked for my name's sake. You can hate somebody and still respect them. But he didn't say you'd be mocked for his name's sake. He said you'd be hated among all men for my name's sake. But here it says that they were mocked. And we say, well, people make fun of us and all this kind of stuff. I want to tell you, it's, a lot of that is really our fault because we haven't sit down and counted the cost and made sure that we have sufficient to finish the tower that we're, we're building for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to preach tonight on this subject, the weapons of our warfare, and I don't even know if that's a good title for this message because I don't know how much that I'm going to preach about that tonight. But I want to tell you something. If you're ever going to live for God... You're going to have to learn that when you live for God, and I'm preaching to everybody, including myself, if you're ever going to learn to live for God, you're going to have to learn that it is a spiritual battle. And you're not going to make it without the Holy Ghost. A lot of, hallelujah. A lot of times we major on minors. I was talking the other day about how that people argue whether you have to have the Holy Ghost or not. I think that's one of the most stupid arguments that a man ever heard. Whether you have to have the Holy Ghost or not. This church does not major on minors. We're not here troubleshooting. This church is the power and the essence of the omnipotent God Himself. The power that directs this church is the same power that spoke the words and this universe come into order. And too many times we live only up to the standard that is required for us. And we go no farther than that. That's why the preacher continually stands behind a pulpit and says, Don't do this and don't do that. That's the only life that you know is don't do this and don't do that. I'm telling you that, that, that I know that's part of the ministry. But I want to tell you that's a little part of the ministry. That's a minority of the ministry, the don't-dos. 
What you got to understand, it's time for this church to recognize the power that God has invested in us and to quit living up to standards and to start setting the standards. If you want to live that kind of way, whether you have to have the Holy Ghost or not, there's 10,000 churches out there that will let you do the very minimum that you have to do so you won't go to hell. But around here, that's not what we're interested in. Around here, we have caught the challenge of paying the price, and we don't want to be satisfied with anything less than giving Jesus Christ the very everything that we have in our life. Oh, let's raise our hands and worship him right now. Some of you young people play in church. Some of you older people, and I'm not saying this condescendingly tonight. I'm just preaching. Let me preach. It's time for you to quit looking around at everybody and just judging your life by them and say, well, I'm as good as she is or I'm better than they are. Did you know that the Bible says when you compare yourselves among yourselves, you make yourself fools? The book of Ephesians says that the measuring stick that we measure ourselves by is the man Christ Jesus. Which one of you have sold out enough to say that your lifestyle is like the lifestyle of Christ Jesus? This isn't a gospel of minimums. This is the gospel that will grow to great lengths to do whatever you got to do to be like Jesus. You're not doing what you have to do. You're doing what you want to do to be like Jesus. That's why Jesus said, what man begins to build a tower without first sitting down and counting the cost? Ephesians chapter 6 says that the weapons of our warfare, or excuse me, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Most of us can quote this, or should be able to. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Or excuse me, that ain't it. For we wrestle not against the flesh. Although I guess I better go back and read it again. <laughs> Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Everybody say, ha, ha, ha. You got that smirky grin on your face anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the horn of God that you may be able to stand in an evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Now I want to tell you, that doesn't mean that you're backed in a corner somewhere and the devil's got a 12-gauge shotgun pinned between your eyeballs and you're saying, oh my God, I'm just hanging on. That's not what that scripture means. And some of you, all you can see is the bad. And, and I don't believe in this positive thinking jump that the world teaches, but there is a positive attitude that the Bible teaches. And that's through the Holy Ghost. 
I'm telling you, it's time to get off the little petty things uh, that keep your mind full uh, of the, the tactics of the devil uh, that beats you down uh, and says you can't live for God. Uh, it says that you have to fall. Uh, it says that there is no victory. Uh, it says that there is no revival. Uh, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Uh, it's time to be overcomers uh, through the power of the Holy Ghost. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rulers of this darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. This is a beautiful allegory that the Apostle Paul gives us of a man in spiritual armament and attirement of war. I want you to notice that he was a man of offensive. He was not a man of defense. Hallelujah. And he said, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And you probably heard this, and if you got those charts that's been around for 40 years in the UPC about the man that has the spiritual armor, you've seen them all. Uh, you know, you've, you've studied about this. Or some of you have, anyway. What is that chart called? Called Chosen and Faithful. You've seen all that, and you know... You know what the, uh, the, the, the girdle of truth is and, and you know what the breastplate of righteousness is and you know what the preparation of the gospel of peace that shod your feet are and it says above all taking the shield of faith and I love preaching about the shield of faith because you can't live for God if you don't have faith. I want to tell you faith puts action with your belief. Hallelujah. I don't have time to get on that and preach tonight, but some of you, and I'm not, you know, I'm not picking, just let me preach. But some of you, you, you know, I understand Hutchinson, Kansas is in an economic depression right now. And some of you are sitting around saying, praying, and, and I'm not talking about everybody. If the shoe fits, wear it. But, you know, some of you sit around praying, oh, God, give me a job, give me a job. God will give you a job if you get off your seat in and get out there and have faith and believe God and get out there and find a job. I want to tell you something. God put this church in this city as a light to this city. We're not a bunch of bums that are defeated and sitting down around here. We have the power to bring the economy back in this city and be a light of revival, not only to this city of the gospel, but of a society that Jesus Christ wants us to live in this church. And that is a life of overcoming. And that is a life of victory. And that is a life of peace. And that is a life of deliverance. Let's raise our hands and worship him right now. I'm telling you, I'm not going to be defeated. Feet shod, take the shield of faith. I want to tell you, faith is tough. 
faith in this little peeny weeny philosophy. Oh, I believe. I tell you what faith is. Faith is when you're on your deathbed full of cancer and your eyes are swelled shut from the cancer and your whole inside is ate up with cancer and the infection is dripping out of your mouth and you can hear the fellow wheezing as he breathes his last few breaths on the earth and the devil comes to him and laughs and says I told you God wasn't a healer and with the last breath that he has to wheeze he squeezes out before he goes into eternity you're a liar devil I believe God's gonna heal me and he says that why he's dying that's faith that's faith that's faith and I want to tell you it's the same way with a church and some of you in here you sit around and you talk about your faith but I want to tell you something you need to get it down in your gut and quit living the life that you're living outside of here and you need to say God I believe you God I believe you God I don't accept any other answer than the victory that you're going to bring us oh let's give him a hand clap come on <laughs> hallelujah Shield of faith. She may be able to quench the fire darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation. I want to tell you, faith isn't going to do a lot of good if you're stupid when it comes to the gospel. The Bible does say, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that don't mean you have to be a philosopher. It don't mean you have to be a scholar. It just means that you got to love truth enough to get your nose in there and learn how to love it. That's the helmet of salvation. It's the Word of God. Hallelujah. You get the Word of God, it will drive away the spirits of depression that come to enter into your mind. Because the Bible says, the Bible, the Word of God, the helmet of salvation. The Bible says we have not received a spirit of fear. And when that spirit comes to steal from you, you have the helmet of salvation on. And you quote the Word of God to him and he's got to flee. Because the Bible also says, resist the devil and he has to flee from you. That's the helmet of salvation. That's what you need to get in you. So when he comes to steal your victory... He cannot do it. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. There's what I wanted right there. None of this armament does you any good until you learn how to pray in the Spirit. You gotta learn how to pray in the Spirit. You gotta learn what it means to get in the Holy Ghost. You gotta learn what it means to live in the Holy Ghost. Too many of us are too concerned with finding the faults of our brother and sister outside of the Holy Ghost. 
Well, you're no angel yourself. I'm telling you, that's what destroys your faith in God, is your carnality. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. When I first started preaching, every time I got up here, I'd get out there and I'd see all the problems, and I'd get up here and I'd problem shoot. Bless God, don't do this. Bless God, don't do that. Bless God, don't do this. And all I was doing was treating symptoms of a deeper matter, a matter that is spiritual. That's why I'm telling you that seminars are not the answers. Seminars just treat the symptoms. And I'm not indicting seminars because I go to them. And they're good constructive ways to organize your thinking. But that's not the answer to your problem. The answer to your problem uh, is that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. There's no way your knowledge is going to compete with the knowledge of God. That's why it takes praying in the spirit that's why it takes getting in the Holy Ghost that's why you're going to have to learn how to yield to the spirit of God and I get up here and I troubleshoot and I knew I wasn't feeling God I was out of the will of God I was I was the one that need praying through. And I couldn't ever figure out why nobody ever got the Holy Ghost. And I never could figure out why. That I couldn't even have an overcoming life. And I'm not telling you you don't have troubles. That's ignorance and, and, and uh, that's just ignorance. I'm not telling you that you don't feel times in your life when you don't think that you can handle it. Everybody has to deal with fear. I'm just telling you, that's natural. That is the carnal way of doing things. And God's way is not the carnal way. God's way is the spiritual way. And finally, I don't know how I got it. I just know that God gave it to me. And I thank him for it. And I praise God for it. But finally, in some place, I said, God, you know, if I keep handling these troubles, they're going to be my troubles too. And they're driving me crazy. And God, I can't take this business. And I started praying and God showed me. I want to tell you something. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. If you get a hold of the Holy Ghost, he'll deal with the problems. He'll deal with the problems. If you get a hold of the Spirit of God for your own self, he'll take care of it. What I'm saying is you got to live this. And it's not always easy to live this. There is a price, but I don't want to scare you. I want you to know that the rewards are greater. 
than the price that you have to pay. You need to get this for yourself. That's what I'm talking about. Accepting the challenge of what God has to offer us, His church. This is a great church. It's a mighty church. This is a powerful church. I want to tell you something. The economy has nothing to do with this church. I'm going to say it again to those of you that doubted that. The economy has nothing to do with this church. Sickness has nothing to do with this church. Trouble. I'm talking about people trouble. I'm talking about personality conflicts. I'm talking about dislikes and prejudices and biasness. Although they are symptoms of a church, that does not have anything to do with the real church. The real church is a victorious church. The real church is a church of liberty. Every time you walk in this spirit, this church building, there ought to be a spirit of liberty. Some people use their ignorance as an excuse. It's one thing to be ignorant and not be able to help it. It's another thing to be ignorant and stay ignorant because nobody's going to tell you what to do. That's not ignorance. That's stupidity. And you will stand by yourself. I feel in my heart that we are living in the greatest hour that this church has ever lived in. Now, I've said that ever since I was in the church, and I've been in the church all my life. And I've heard it said by preachers when I was a little kid sleeping on a bench like this fellow up here. Until the time that I'm now, and I still hear it. But I want to tell you something. I've never felt it with the empathy that I am feeling it in my spirit now. I listen to the radio the day and I don't have time to get into what I heard, but what I heard stirred me and I looked at the wall and I paced back and forth in the house that I was staying in as I was preaching revival and I was praying and I was saying, God, what will it take? God, is it, is, do we have to get involved in politics? And that's not the answer. Do we have to, I want to tell you something. This church should be a society of its own. This should be a society for an example to this world. Ye are a chosen generation, a holy nation. We have our own national functions in here. And we live this way because that we have been delivered and be given a new citizenship. And we are a light to the world to let them know that they can come in here into this nation and live that. You say, that's radical preaching. You better believe it is. I'm telling you, this is a gospel that works. This gospel will turn the world upside down and change this world that we are living in. 
You say it'll never happen. Well, I'm going to keep on believing it'll happen because that's the great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. It may never happen, but I'm going to believe God and believe God. You say, well, the rapture will take place before it happens. Well, praise God. I believe it will too, but I'm going to keep on trying. I'm not going to sit down like some people that use that scripture occupied till I come to sit around and wait on the rapture. That's not what it means. If you read the story before that, he gave them stewards talents and told them to produce with those talents. And the, the steward that did not produce, God cast him in outer darkness because of his fear. And the ones that did produce, he said, take from him that did not have and give it to him. You ever see churches that grow and the other churches around, they sit around and gripe and say, oh, they compromise. Oh, they, I want to tell you what's happening. God's taken from them churches that do not have and he's given to the churches that do have because they caught a vision because they've accepted the challenge of this gospel I know what I'm saying is stout but the way God has been dealing with me and if you think that I'm preaching about compromising you're ignorant I'm preaching about getting out of the little rut that you've dug yourself into. You say the Bible says in the last day there's going to be a great falling away. That's right, but God put another. Let me show you another parable that the Lord Jesus Christ told specifically for this. And that's what parables are. They're for the church age. The little man who had a visitor that came late at night to receive bread. He put that in there for a specific reason. Well, regardless of whether you believe in end time revival or not, God lets us know through that parable that if you're desperate enough to knock on the door, uh, who is the father uh, until he gives you bread uh, for the stranger that's hungry, uh, if you'll stay there with your importunity uh, and stay there uh, regardless of what time it is, uh, if you're hungry enough, uh, if you're desperate enough, uh, God will give you bread. Uh, he'll give you revival. Uh, he'll give you an outpouring. Uh, if you'll stay there and believe him for it. You got to get a vision. Now, some people can never get a vision because they're like a fly on that wall. They're so glued to their problems, all they can see is white. Fly on that wall says the whole world's white. That's the way some people are. They got their nose on their problems. All the world is is problems. Hey, the Bible says that he'll give you wings of an eagle. Isaiah chapter 40. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. 
I feel in my spirit there's some of you that are uncomfortable right now. You're proving to me that when people start preaching on vision, you get uncomfortable. Don't try to change me, preacher. I'm comfortable. I have my little job. I have my little position in the church that I attend. I am the Sunday school teacher. I am the bus driver. I am the Sunday school superintendent. I like my little job. I pay my tithes. I believe I'll be saved. Well, you may be, but you're not doing anything for God. And I, I, I say that carefully because I appreciate it. And I've been in this church and I've watched some of you work faithfully. And I'm not here. Please understand, I'm not here. Just being smart aleck. I'm here preaching a burden on my heart tonight. He giveth power to the faint, to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. You know what happens to that fly when he gets off that wall? He gets out here and he finds out that there's red around here. There's lights. And there's pictures on the wall back there. He says, oh, the world's bigger than my problems. It's time for you, little fly, to get out of the spider web of doubt and fear and let the Holy Ghost carry you and the Spirit and get up above the little problems. I'm telling you, there is a spirit, Hutchinson, Kansas, Church of the Most High God in this city. There, I am speaking under the power of the Holy Ghost right now. There is a spirit that has this church's eyes blinded. And I'm telling you, it's time to anoint your eyes with eye salve and to shake off the blinders that have you full of doubt and have you full of insecurity and have you full of inferiority. You're so concerned about, well, I may die. I want to tell you something. A coward dies a thousand times a day. At least if you got out there and you were dying in the battle, you could die with a grin on your lips and tell the devil I went down fighting. I didn't live in my house. A coward afraid of the vision that God has given me. But I got out and I tried to do the work that God had told me to do. Let's raise our hands and worship him. There are diversions that fear will bring to your life. The diversions are the symptoms of fear. I'm trying to get to where I'm wanting to go tonight and I can't get there. Let me read you this. I heard this several years ago. The man was preaching. It means so much to me. He wrote this. And it has shaken me. I read it about every day. The title of his, of his little article is A Plea for Independent Seeking. 
Maybe our title should be a plea for seeking. For the very idea of seeking carries in it self-assertion and independence. Congratulations to the man who, though common, still has summoned up the courage and energy to use what God gave him. In other words, the ability to seek. For seeking is a quite lonely and sometimes scary business. But it, but it is also the most powerful force known to man in overcoming tyranny and discovering truth. Now I don't need to warn you today of the danger of seeking for your fears are already doing that. For fear and laziness are always cre create barriers to prevent real seeking. Are you listening? And don't worry about your fears failing to caution you. For what your fears miss, your peers will think of. Isn't that strange that they would use thought to think of ways to prevent seeking and thinking? And so, thanks to your fears and your peers, you already know the danger of seeking. But I still think that you ought to seek. And then, of course, if your superiors, unless they are remarkably sagacious and capable, may very well steer you away from the dangers of seeking. In fact, in many cases, they would feel less threatened if you would literally put a gun to their head than to live with the knowledge that you're out there somewhere learning and seeking. You need to pray for them. For anyone who feels that they are totally capable for thinking for everybody else obviously needs prayer. If the leader only knew seeking on the part of his followers will simply validate in the seeker's mind in a way a hundred times stronger than coercion the truths of that leader. That is, if his teachings are indeed truths, and I believe our teachings are truths. Aha! Is that why he, he resists seeking? If his teachings cannot stand the heat of inspection and fall beneath the weight of, of investigation, then one of two things is true. Either his teachings are incorrect or he is incapable of defending the truth. In either case, he deserves what loss of following he receives. On the other hand, if a follower seeks and arrives at truth for himself, he becomes free from his doubts. And rather than the leader having to carry him and prod and guard him, he with conviction and joy helps the leader to carry others who in time learn to find truth also. Okay? Are we seeking now? Good. Now that you've started, here are some points on seeking. Three points. A. Be extremely careful of jumping to conclusions. There is so much more that you don't know than you do that humility ought to come easy. B. 
smugly thinking that you've thought everything through is usually a sign of the ego and not pure seeking. And lastly, you cannot create truth by seeking. You can only find for yourself what already is and differentiate it from what really is not. Somewhere in our walk with God, it's going to have to come to the place where Brother Elder doesn't have to tell you what to do anymore. You're going to have to get a hold of truth. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of difference between a conviction and a belief. A conviction comes by revelation. A belief comes by a good argument. A persuasive mind. Somehow or another, you're going to have to climb into the seat of the Holy Ghost and take a ride and get in the spirit and see that in this city there are alcoholics that God is wanting to save and your neighbor that is living next door to you who you can't hardly stand you need to understand that that is a battle of the spirit and God wants you to see a vision of bringing deliverance to those people. There is a doctor in this city somewhere who, is, who has a hunger for truth. He is seeking, 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 seeking. And I want to tell you something. The reason why we sit in here and we can run the aisles and we can shout and have fun, but when it gets out there to where our truth has to meet the road and we're looking the devil in the eye and it is, pardon this expression, it's an old expression and I'm not prejudiced and you know that, but it's, they say it's a Mexican standoff. I don't know where they got that, but it, you know, that's just an expression. But when you look him in the eye and you see that he's not backing down and you're not backing down, or are you? And you can shout in here and you can preach hard in here and you can teach hard in here and you can sing with victory in here but when it gets out there you're just not truly convinced that what you have is truth and so it causes it causes these areas where so that you have you can escape the realities of the fear that's in your heart you do other things than besides what God has called you to do I'm telling you you gotta learn to get in the Holy Ghost the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then you're going to have to arrive at the conclusion of 
truth for yourself. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, was led, was led, was led. Can I preach? Give me another 20, 25 minutes. Was led. I know I preach late tonight, but I'm preaching. Was led. Are you bored with this? Now, let me say this and not be malicious. If you're bored, go ahead and go home. You won't offend me. I'm preaching to people who are hungry. They are seekers. They're tired of the little status quo. And they want to. I'm preaching to some young ladies and some young men who are tired of just following everybody else. And some of you around here that are messing around and you think it's cool to be druggies and alcoholics and fornicators and adulterers. Why don't you get out of here and get on the street and do your thing? And you that are hungry, get in here. And get to seeking for truth. You say I won't because my mom and dad won't let me. You mom and dads need to let them. They're not hungry. God's wanting some people that are hungry. A house that's divided against itself cannot stand. I'm preaching radical, but I'm preaching in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that the Apostle Paul told one-armed man, I've turned you over to the devil so God can save your soul. You need to let them get out of here. There's a division in here, and you need to get in the Holy Ghost and get hungry and get in the Spirit and watch God rain revival and watch God pour His Spirit out on those who are hungry. One place in the Bible says that Jesus was driven of the Spirit into the wilderness. You say, well, what does this have to do with what you're preaching? Well, hold on, and I'll show you. That's right, Brother Davies, I'm preaching the same thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother Davies is always on the preacher's side. Everybody say praise the Lord. <coughs> he was driven of the Spirit into the wilderness. And the Bible says there he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he was tempted. He fasted first, and then he was tempted. I want to show you something. He was led. I got to be careful here because some of you are going to misunderstand me and I won't have that. Through the human nature of Jesus Christ, he had to come to a realization of his calling in his life. Study the Bible. Now, I know I'm going deep, but try to follow me. You say, oh, but he knew who he was. The God side of him knew. But the Bible said he was tempted in all manner as we were tempted. I don't believe it was typology only. You may believe that. You can believe whatever you feel like. But I don't. He didn't just do that so he could look at you and say, well, I felt the same thing. 
he bore the infirmities of us. And Jesus, when he was baptized in one area of the Bible, and I heard a preacher preach on this uh, seven years ago, and it just hit me the other day as I was studying the Bible what he was saying. In fact, it just hit me really tonight. In one place, the Bible says that the, bo the voice spoke to them, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. It was a voice to the people to hear. But in another gospel, it says, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, there's a lot about this that I don't understand. I'm not going to act like I know it all. Because I do know that when he was in 12, when he was 12 years of age, his mother and father lost him, and they went to the temple and they found him there. And they said, what are you doing here, you bad little boy? And he said, I am about my father's business. And Mary reprimanded him, but the Bible says that she put these things in her heart. And my wife saw, saw something the other day that, that really amazed me. In this same calling, it is a direct reference back to Joseph when he was 17 years of age and he got a vision. And in his vision, he saw everybody, the sun and the moon and the stars, his father and everybody. They had bowed before him and he told his father and his father reprimanded him, but the Bible says that he held these things in his heart and he pondered them. What was it? God has given us a reference to what this is. That was the revelation of their calling and their parents, even though they were uncomfortable with it, they still knew that it was something beyond their grasp. And even though they acted like that it was nothing, still yet they went away scratching their heads saying, I wonder what he meant by that. What is this that he is talking about? Vision is always misunderstood. It is taking, well, they think they're better than everybody else. And there, and there is a lot of people who are on ego trips. And that, like the, the word said, that is not a true, that is not a true uh, characteristic of pure spiritual seeking. Pure spiritual seeking is a hunger to fulfill the calling and the ministry that God has put in your life and he's put it in every one of our lives. And he said, I'm about my father's business. I don't understand that. I know. You say, how do you know? Because of the call of my own life. I remember when God called me a preacher for the character. Do you remember the night that right over there you told me the vision that God gave you about me? Do you remember? I remember the battle I was fighting. That's the night I really got victory. I remember it was that year that I went to youth camp and I knew, just let me preach. I knew wasn't an angel. You ask some of these people around here. God have mercy. I was the biggest hypocrite and devil that ever was. 
But I'll tell you one thing, I had a fear of God. And I didn't want to live away from the church. And I went to youth camp that year and there was something. God, I'm feeling this. In my heart that was seeking for the things of God. I'm trying to hurry, but just I'm too worried about the time I really shouldn't be. There was something, come think of it, that's the same youth camp God gave me my life in. Isn't it funny when you accept the will of God, things are just opening up in your life like you never dreamed. And while everybody else was out batting the ball around and screaming and yelling and playing boyfriend and girlfriend, sneaking around back and kissing and carrying on, and I got accused of it and I was in the prayer room. I said, ha, 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 it wasn't me, I was praying. <clears throat> but they knew what I was before that, and so they automatically thought it was me. We won't get on that, that's another subject. <laughs> praise God. Everybody say praise the Lord. But there was a hunger in my heart, and I did. Now, I, I was raised in the pastor's home. I could have very well been pressured into the ministry. It's one thing I appreciate about my father. He never pressed me. In fact, I don't recall that he ever asked me if I was called to preach until about a year and a half, two years after I was called to preach. He never pressed it upon me. But there in that youth camp, I went to God and there was a hunger and I'm trying to find the words to define to you. I say this very kindly. And I say this in all humbleness tonight. And I say this as a young man that's trying to keep his place. And I'm telling you, I've watched some of you. And I'm not old, but I've been around. And i got a lot of miles on me. And I've come back. And God's dealt with me about some of you. And it's been on my heart. And some of you have been in this church for years. And you still have not found your calling. And you struggle. And you fall around like somebody that's up the creek without a paddle. And there's no victory in your life. And your children are in a mess. And everything has gone wrong. And my heart cries out, God, God, how do you tell people that you got to get in the Holy Ghost, that you got to live in the Spirit, that true victory comes only when you've went into the wilderness and you've sold your life out to God. Let's raise our hands and worship Him. There, Jesus, I want to tell you something. When you get hungry enough, it will never happen until you get hungry enough to go into the wilderness and get it.
there's a price that will be paid before you ever do anything for God. You can skirt it. You can hide from it. You can go out and work 15 jobs and spend all your time with your kids and do everything. But I want to tell you something. You're not going to get away from it because God said, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And he's going to keep driving you to the wilderness. And you're going to keep going and going and going until finally the hunger gets a hold of you to where you'll walk out in the wilderness and say, God, reveal to me what you want me to do, God. You ever watch somebody that has a desire in the heart? That desire will dominate them. Remember when I fell in love with Rory? You may not know this, it was love at first sight. You say, I don't believe in that. Well, you're wrong. First time I ever laid eyes on her, I fell in love with her. That's right. She's the best looking woman in the world. Do you know there were times that I was so in love with her that I wouldn't even eat. That's right. I weighed 150 pounds when I started dating her. When we got married, I weighed 135. That's right. I don't know what happened after we got married, but... <laughs> but let me give you more examples. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You ever watched a drug addict? He has such a hunger for drugs. Some of you know what I'm talking about that he'll forego his food to get his drugs. He'll sell his family down the drain to get his drugs. Some of them are so desperate they'll put their wife on the street prostituting to get their drugs. That is the hunger that dominates their life. Watch an alcoholic. He will become so obsessed with his alcohol, he will not eat. He will spend every dime that he has to buy that alcohol. And I want to tell you something. When you finally come to the hunger and the realization that God has a calling in your life, you will get so hungry to find out what it is. It will drive you into the wilderness to seek God, to find out what it is that he wants you to do. And Jesus said, he, he, he had to tell this because he was the only one out there. I wished I could have been there. But you know why he didn't let any one of us go there? Because we have to go to the wilderness ourselves. Pastor Elder don't get it for you. Sunday school teacher don't get it for you. Bus driver don't get it for you. You're going to go get it yourself. There the Bible says that he fasted for 40 days. And then he was tempted. You want to know the greatest temptation in Jesus' life? Let me tell you. It was not the scribes and the Pharisees. It was not the sin. That's right. He was tempted of sin. It was not the sickness. 
Another thing that was frustrating to Jesus is they would not accept his ministry. But that was not the greatest temptation in the life of Jesus Christ. It started in the wilderness. You know what it was? The devil began to tempt him and try to steal from him his identity. If thou be the Son of God, there it is, his identity. And I want to tell you something, Saint of God, and whoever you are here tonight, you're going to fight the battle with the devil. And he's going to taunt you with your identity if thou be the Son of God. If you are really who you say you are, turn these stones into bread. The subtle way of temptation that he brought upon Jesus Show me your miracle power, Son of God. Turn these stones. What was he doing? He was diverting the power of his calling to uselessness and pettiness. Instead of the calling that God had called him to do, it was out there in the wilderness with nobody. What would it have done Jesus any good to turn those stones into bread? It was a fulfillment of the lust of his flesh. And the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living sacrifice. You're going to crucify the flesh. And he diverted his calling. And the devil will try that with you. He will tempt you with your power. You ever heard these people say, well, if we're really the sons of God, why don't we see miracles? I am telling you, that is a temptation from the devil. He wants to try your identity. I'm telling you, these signs shall follow them that believe not go in front of them. Jesus did not have anything to prove to the devil. And he told him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. I'm not out here fulfilling the lust of the flesh. I'm out here trying to find the will of the Father. I want to know every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. He come to him again. If thou be the son of God. The Bible says he took him. I don't know where he took him. But it was in the spirit that the devil took him. And he showed him the prosperity of the world. And he showed him the preeminence of the world. And he showed him the economy of the world. He showed him the kingdoms of the world. And he said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. Jesus already knew that his kingdom was not of this world. I want to tell you something. And if you have not been hungry enough to find your identity, the devil will get you. 
And you'll be diverting the talents that God has put in your heart for personal gain and prosperity. Instead of fulfilling the will of God in your life, you'll be using the talent that God has placed in your heart and the knowledge that God has put in your heart to further your economy and to further your personal gain. And you come to me and say, well, you God, don't give me that excuse. I'm telling you, I feel this so strongly. God is Jehovah Jireh. And when you set out to him, he'll make a way for you. You're not convinced of the God that you're serving or you would know the identity that God has given you and you put your trust in him and let him make a way for you. I'm going to have to close. He come to him again. Took him upon the mount, upon the pinnacle of the, the tower of the temple and said, if thou be the son of God, cast yourself down off this temple and the angels of heaven will pick you up. He wants you to do something stupid. Like all Roberts, who is using the talent that God gave him for his personal gain, who uses the sympathy of little widows, who says that if you don't give me your money in a few days, God's going to kill me. That is temptation of the Lord. And Jesus said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I'm telling you, there are many subtle ways that the devil will come to you to steal from you the identity and the revelation of your calling. You say you don't know what you're talking about. I want to tell you something in the last four months since God has revealed this to me. I have went through pure Hades trying to stay on the evangelistic field. And I'm here to tell the devil tonight that that is just tough. I'm not quitting and getting a job. I'm not roofing houses. I'm not doing that. I'm here to tell you, devil, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to preach this word. I'm going to evangelize. I'm going to do the calling that God has put in my life. I refuse to quit. The only way you're going to stop me is you're going to kill me. There's going to be revival. There's going to be victory. There's going to be deliverance. There's going to be salvation. There's going to be... Look in the Gospels time and time again the Pharisees if thou be the Son of God the Sadducees if thou be the Son of God his own people he came to his own and they received him not the final temptation that Jesus went through on the cross before his ultimate victory was the thief looked at him and said, If thou be the Son of God. Jesus. In his flesh when the Spirit departed from him on the cross, said, My God, my God, why 
Hast thou forsaken me? But that was not the last thing he said. When the Spirit departed from him, he caught himself. The devil caught his breath. I got him. And the last thing that Jesus said when he went out of here and the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ is it is finished. And when he come out of the grave, his final statements to his disciples was be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And if I have overcome the world, you can overcome the world. I want to tell you something. Beloved, beloved, it does not yet appear what we'll be like. But we do know that when we shall see him, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is there is a place in the Holy Ghost that you can go there is a place in the Holy Ghost there's a place there's a place there's a place where there's true victory and where there's true power Let's stand to our feet and worship him. Come on, church. It's in the Holy Ghost. It's in the Holy Ghost. It's in the Holy Ghost. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty. They are mighty. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. tonight church let your hunger take you into the wilderness tonight let your hunger carry you into the spirit mount up with wings as he goes get out of the little problems that the devil's had you buried in get your prejudice off your shoulder get your chip off your shoulder Get the unbelief out of your heart. You can live for God. You can be victorious. You can have an overcoming life. You can have true victory. You can have the Holy Ghost.
you're here tonight without victory, you need to be in this order right now. If you're here with fear in your heart tonight, you need to come here and pray till the fear's gone. If you're here with inferiority in your heart tonight, you need to get in this order and pray till the boldness of the Holy Ghost gets in your life. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. He's here. He's here. He's here. The Holy Ghost is here. Where's your hunger at? Where's your hunger at? Where's your hunger at? Are you hungry enough to seek for it? Are you hungry enough to seek for it? Are you hungry enough to seek for it? Come on, come on, come on, come on, church. Let's break the spirit of defeat in this city tonight. Come on, church. Let's break the spirit of defeat in this city tonight. Come on, church. The answer's here if you're hungry enough. The victory's here if you're hungry enough. The liberty's here if you're hungry enough. 